It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. Discover the all-new Renault Arcana at Blackstone Motors that comes with a five-year warranty. Call us now to arrange a test drive or visit blackstonemotors.ie for more details. You are very welcome along to The Late Lunch here on LMFM. I'm Alison O'Reilly and it's a grand old Tuesday afternoon. Uh, not too hot, not too cold. Uh, I hope you're still wearing your summer gear or getting the last of the, your wear out of the summer gear. Um, the text number, as always, or WhatsApp us is 86 658 You can email us at info at lmfm.ie. We'd love to hear from you. We are here until half past three and we've loads coming up today. We'll have Professor Paul Moyna in just a few minutes on the latest COVID-19 news. And Julie Power says the birds and the bees are the key to raising happiness levels after the pandemic. I can certainly agree with that. Lorraine Keane will be here about uh, menopause and recycling clothes. She's a fashion icon and a TV star. And we'll have the latest news on Wally the Walrus. I'm so excited about this. I was like texting the producer of the show, Louise, last night, actually voice dropping you and going, Oh my God, Wally the Walrus, I love him. He's making his way home and we all wish him well. We'll be hearing from the first man who spotted him when he arrived in Ireland. Celebrity photographer Karen Morgan will be telling us on who she's been snapping lately and Anthony Kinahan will be filling us in on this month's Outcomers LGBT Q plus and well-being workshops. But first, Professor Paul Moyna is on the line to give us all the latest on COVID-19. How are you, Professor? Good afternoon, Alison. Good to hear from you. Um, I suppose we've, we started yesterday with a further easing of restrictions and, and the Taoiseach saying, you know, it was such a significant day. I mean, uh, everybody going back to the workplace and slowly easing themselves back into work. Uh, it's a good time. It is a good time, Alison. Yeah, like we've been through like a very, very tough period for, for quite a prolonged time. So over the last 18 months or so, and now we're beginning to move more towards back to a normal living and obviously yesterday with respect to people beginning to return to their workplaces um, you know schools are fully opened up universities colleges opening up um, and again numbers numbers are still reasonably high but aren't spiking which is which is good news mm-hmm. certainly you know a couple of weeks after uh, schools have reopened um, so I think generally we're in, we're in a good place uh, at the moment and hopefully that trend will continue 
And the vaccination rollout, this was the key to uh, getting us over this very, very difficult period. I interviewed uh, the Chief Medical Officer, Tony Hulhan, during the summer and he was saying at the time it's going to get worse before it gets better. He said it's going to spike and what we need is people to get vaccinated and obviously it's your own choice to get vaccinated but that's what what they're encouraging. Uh, But not just that, it was also keeping, uh, you know, all the, the COVID guidelines out there like washing your hands, social distancing. So keeping safe as well because we were hit by the, the Delta variant. And now I think we're at over those six to eight weeks, as he said, which were uh, particularly difficult. But I suppose things are different now with a large majority of the population being vaccinated. Yeah, there's a number of factors, Alison, you know, in terms of contributing to us being able to deal with the pandemic. But by far, you know, the, the, the most important was the development of the vaccines. They really mm. changed it completely. If you look at the numbers we have, even now at this stage, we have, you know, maybe 12, 13, 1400 cases per day. If you were to look back in a year, a year previously, if we had those numbers on a daily basis, they would have translated into very significant burdens in our health system. So very high levels of hospitalisation, ICU admissions, and unfortunately would, would translate into deaths. And despite those still relatively high numbers, Again, we don't see that. They don't translate into those high numbers. And the reason being the vaccine, the vaccination uh, rollout. So these vaccines work really, really well to protect us from serious illness, hospitalisation. Probably a little bit of concern and probably something to look out for is we've already seen in Israel that about five months after the second administration of the Pfizer vaccine, there were these breakthrough infection cases. We start a little bit later than Israel. That's probably something to watch out for some of these breakthrough infections coming through. So, you know, we may see some increases as, as that uh, manifests itself. But certainly vaccination changed everything. Vaccines changed everything. And the main protection we have against this. And the great thing about vaccines is they will give us protection over very long time periods, especially against serious illness. Uh, we're speaking to Professor Paul Moyna on all the latest COVID-19 news. If you have any texts or messages for him, please do text or WhatsApp us in on 0861800658. have a text here for you, uh, Paul. What should I do regarding some people on public transport not wearing a mask? I'm so afraid that I'm thinking about leaving my employment. I have an hour journey there and back and double jabbed as well as all my family. Thank you, N. Yeah, that's probably difficult in the sense that I have always believed all along uh, at various stages that quite a lot of the success with respect to how we've dealt with the pandemic has gone back to personal responsibility and at times re-judging uh, how, you know, the risk and how serious the risk is and maybe to remove yourself from an environment you felt uncomfortable. Now, that's easier, for example, in some cases, for example, you would go out for dinner or whatever and you felt uncomfortable, you, you could leave. But in terms of your work and things like that, you know, you, you'd like to think that the public would comply with that. Um, if you've already vaccinated, that person's already vaccinated, that should give some comfort in terms of the fact that you've been vaccinated, even if you were exposed to the virus. Um, this, and in many cases, the vaccine would protect you against uh, infection and will also obviously prevent you from getting very seriously ill. But it is a, a difficult one. But I think as we move back more towards, you know, normal living, in the coming months, we will see that more and more, where things that we will probably have been uncomfortable with over the last number of months in terms of not widespread use of masks, we will still, we will still see use of masks in very confined spaces, but more and more, especially in outdoor settings, uh, 
uh, you'll you, you probably see a lack of use of masks. So I think it'll take us some time to begin to become comfortable with what we regarded as normal pre-pandemic. But I do appreciate that for some people it is going to be difficult. And obviously you'd hope that over the coming months that we would still comply with some of those more non-invasive and, and less demanding measures such as mask wearing, especially in public places and public transport. So you'd like to see people, you know, complying more with that. I'd say there's a lot of anxiety as well or mixed emotions with people returning to work. As you said, the the pre-pandemic life was completely different and it is going to take us a bit of time to ease back in. I mean, for example, like just standing in like the supermarket and people getting a bit too close, I find myself going, hold on a minute. You know, it's going to take, you kind of have to take a minute to you know, think about where you're at and what's happening because we've been so used to don't go near that person, don't touch that person. So it's you have to give yourself a chance, don't you? I, I think you do, Alison, yeah. So, you know, this has been going on since, what, February, March of last year. So if you look at over 18 months, that's a long time period. So you become sort of accustomed and this almost becomes normal practice. And then suddenly when you experience something that isn't part of what you would consider to be normal, and that could be, you know, people not wearing masks, people may be in closer contact uh, with you, again, that can cause anxiety. So, And then for others, and I think it'll be different for different people, some people I think will adapt really quickly back to what was normal living before the uh, pandemic. So I think it's going to be very different for different people and I think we should respect that and respect that for some it's going to be, it's going to create a lot of anxiety. Um, and, and in those cases, you know, especially employers, you want to minimise, you want the protocols to be in place to minimise that anxiety. And in cases where there are risks, try to maybe put in place those measures that would mitigate those risks. But certainly we need to be mindful of each other in terms of that, just because maybe I feel comfortable or another person feels comfortable that in somebody else that under those exact same circumstances it may cause some anxiety for them. Yeah, just take your time, I think. Just take your time to yeah. settle back into it. Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. And I think, I think it will take some time but I think you know over the coming months I think you'll also be surprised how most people will return to normal living you know some people have said that we will never go back to the old normal I think I think we will over time when you begin to see this vaccine working or you begin even though the cases are still significant if that those cases don't translate into very high hospitalization rates you'll probably see and this virus will become I think endemic like the other cold and uh, flu viruses and I think it'll become sort of part of our normal. You may see outbreaks, especially during the winter period. So in the winter period, you may end up seeing maybe some mask wearing around those winter months. But as you say, it will take time just to become comfortable with things again. Can I ask you now about the flu vaccine? In and around this time of year, people start getting the flu jab. I always, I've always, i been getting the flu jab for years. I had pneumonia about 10 years ago and I just continue to get it and I've never been sick. And just as well, being a journalist and out a lot, I pick up very bad flus. So I've always got it. What do you say to people who normally get the flu jab, who've just had the COVID jab and they're a little bit concerned about too many jabs? Yeah, I'm very little concerned about that. And actually... You know, there's already planning, already initiated in terms of a booster program for older age groups and those very vulnerable groups and those in long care, residential care for a booster of the, with the COVID uh, vaccine. And the probably plan there is to give that at the same time as the flu vaccine. So again, in terms of two vaccines together, this isn't anything new. Like it wouldn't be unusual to give a number of vaccines together. 
is our immune system is just seeing different parts of different viruses or different proteins. So again, that wouldn't cause me much concern because there's a lot of evidence out there in terms of vaccinology and our whole history around the use of vaccines that the use of those two vaccines at the same time shouldn't cause any concern. Great stuff. Uh, thanks very much for joining us here on The Late Lunch. That's Professor Paul Moyna uh, with some sound advice about COVID-19. We're going to take a break. Still to come, the birds and the bees are the key to raising happiness levels after the pandemic. Welcome back to The Late Lunch here on LMFM. The text and WhatsApp details, as always, are 86 658 and you can email us at info at lmfm.ie. Still to come... On the late lunch today, Lorraine Keane, TV star, will be talking to us about fashion relief and also menopause and pre-menopause. Uh, she's giving a lot of talks on that at the moment. Wally the Walrus is alive and kicking and heading home, it looks like. And it's just fantastic news. I'm so, so happy about this. Uh, celebrity photographer Karen Morgan on what's happening in the media now that the country is reopening and who she's photographed in the past. And we'll have all the latest on September's out Comers LGBTQ plus and well-being workshop. So stay tuned for that. But first, our next guest is Julie Power of Waterford-based firm Connecting to Nature, and she's on the line now to tell us how to boost our mood after the pandemic. Julie, how are you? Hi, Alison. Thanks for having me on today. No problem at all. The birds and bees are a fantastic topic and one of my favourites. <laughs> but they can actually help you to kind of ease that uh, anxiety that we're all feeling now. We were just speaking before the break to Professor Paul Moyna on COVID-19. There's a lot of anxiety of people returning to work. Uh, and this nature always makes you feel grounded. Yeah, exactly. Um, so... Um, after lockdown now we all have a new awareness of the mental health benefits of um, connecting to nature and improving our gardens for the benefit and love of wildlife. Um, so there's plenty of studies out there and everything to show that people's connection with nature boosts happiness and actually being um, around more bird species generates as much satisfaction as earning 124 euro extra a month which is incredible. Um, so Look, we started up our business at the start of the first lockdown that was Blooming Native and we were selling wildflower seeds and producing them here in Waterford. And since then, we've seen so many people turning to nature and uh, reaping the benefits from uh, from it. And so many of our customers even messaging us and reaching out just to say how much the wildflowers actually meant to them during the time, which I was blown away by. I didn't um, expect it at all. So um, since then, we've started Connecting to Nature, which we launched last week. And that's just going to allow us to add more product lines that will support biodiversity and help our community get closer to the natural world in their everyday environment for well-being. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's incredible what nature can do, really. It certainly is. And I mean, uh, you know, I was speaking to somebody who said even 10 minutes of watching your birds out the window in the morning is really therapeutic. Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, it's funny as well, you know, you don't even have to consciously go and sit and watch them for 10 minutes. Even just um, noticing or, you know, um, I know a lot of housing estates now are sowing wildflower seeds because they know that when their um, resident steps outside their door and, like, notice that big, like, burst of colour and drives past it on their way to work subconsciously, they're taking that all in and it's actually um, boosting their happiness levels. And what's great as well is that you don't have to be in the countryside to connect with nature. You can actually build that relationship at home Even if you're just in an apartment and have a balcony, you might think that's not enough space, but it totally is. You just need to create an environment that constantly attracts um, the birds and the bees to you. So hang out a wild bird seed feeder, 
so a pot of wildflowers and you'd be amazed by what will come because it'll support a, actually a whole ecosystem. One of the things, Julie, people were saying uh, that are feeding the birds and, and uh, you know, want to stay connected to nature after such a difficult 18 months is the price sometimes of bird seed can be quite expensive. Um, if you have any suggestions there, I'd love to hear it because uh, I've spoken to a lot of people who say they want to continue feeding them, but the, the bird seed and stuff can be quite expensive. Yeah, look, one thing that I will say about that, it is important to look at what you're buying and to make sure that what you're buying is quality. Generally, the quality bird seed will be that little bit more expensive. Um, but look, you don't need to be going putting out loads of it at one time. You know, just um, um, constant, like having a constant um, supply of feed for them is important, just not too much. And as I said, look for the quality in the seed. So there's a lot of uh, seed mixtures on the market at the moment with wheat in them. And wheat, um, small garden birds won't feed on. So unless you want to be attracting the likes of pigeons to your garden, they're really the only ones that will uh, feed on those um, on those wheat seeds. Um, so the smaller birds just aren't able to eat it. And um, look, we, that is something that we're really conscious about. We've um, we've designed our mixtures with ornithologists and nutritionists for um, the Irish bird population. And that's one thing that they were really, really um, like focused on is that the, you're offering something that's quality. Like these birds are wild and you'd look after your dog and your cat. So mm-hmm. why not look after the wildlife as well? Exactly. Yeah. And I have to say now I'm a defender of the pigeons, Julie. I like the pigeons and seagulls <laughs> since the pandemic. <laughs> I think they, they get, <laughs> they get a bad rap. <laughs> No, they're lovely. Every um, every species is lovely, but you know they have lots of sources of food. It's the little um, the little songbirds mm. and the little garden birds that um, don't have as much availability. So yeah, I have a few little bird seeders, and I have finches, and I have oh, lovely thrush, and I have um, starlings. I've yeah, robin. No, actually, no robins. No robins. No robins. No, they're not. They haven't arrived yet. Not yet. Not yet. I had some yes. sort of a hawk as well, and I have a a heron. Oh, right, okay. So I've been very, very lucky. So, And then in the middle of that comes the pigeons. And I, I really hated them. I didn't like them at all. And now I think they're great crack. Uh, <laughs> so if well, that's something else, actually, um, that lots of birds like different um, types of mm. foods as well. So offering a diverse mixture rather than just uh, one type of seed yeah. is really important. So um, if you're looking for robins in particular, buy a robin and songbird mix. There's plenty of them on the market. We have one ourselves. Well, give us your details there, Julie, because we're running out of time. Just give us give us your details if anyone wants to have a look at yeah, what you what you do. So connectingtonature.ie is our website and we're also on um, social media, so Facebook and Instagram and we post tips and information all the time. So definitely give us a follow if you're on any of those platforms. There there you have it now. <laughs> no, I really appreciate you coming on. That's Julie Power of the Waterford-based firm okay. Connecting to Nature. Thanks so much for that. Okay, thank you. You're very welcome back to The Late Lunch. Keep the text coming in on 86 658 We're here until half past three. Now I have to welcome our next guest who's a TV star, a fashion icon, a glamorous mammy and an all-round lovely person. Lorraine Keane, how are you? Oh, that is the most <laughs> lovely introduction. Thanks so much, Ali. I'll tell you something. We were actually just Googling you earlier in all your lovely dresses. Oh, God. <laughs> I've never seen you in something that's not fab. Uh, thank you. And actually, most of the, the dresses on my Instagram at the moment are dresses from Fashion Relief, you know, the charity yes. that I set up that helps Oxfam 
um, worldwide and uh, yeah and, and they're like about 2p um, <laughs> and you're guilt free shopping because mm-hmm. it is sustainable obviously and also saving lives so win win yeah no it's a huge thing isn't it recycling fashion at the moment because uh, the EU someone was saying to try and get the numbers down to try and get the tons down and Ireland's not yeah. doing too bad on it but this has been a huge success Yes, and, and Oxfam have second-hand September at the moment where they're trying to encourage people to shop second-hand, pre-loved. You know, it might be your first time, but mm-hmm. give it a go because the buzz you get out of it. I mean, I've been shopping second-hand my whole life. I love finding something that was very expensive for a bargain price and maybe even restyling it or altering it to make it my own. Um, and those pieces last and last. And then we're diverting textiles from landfill, as you say, so mm-hmm. we're saving the planet as well. I think the younger people, like I've two teenagers, Amelia just turned 18. Oh my, my God. Oh my oh God. My God. <laughs> I know, last weekend. And uh, Romy's 15 in a few weeks time, please God. And they are, their generation are amazing. Like yeah. They're really aware of all of that stuff that, mm-hmm. you know, we would have come a little bit later to. Uh, and I love to see that. You know, they would be, you know, showing off with their friends about the fact that they got this for a fiver in an Oxfam yeah. shop or in a, you know, any any sort of charity shop. Uh, and I think that's brilliant, you know, that they are very aware. They're very conscious, yeah. I mean, I was even, yeah. I was buying a, a washing machine this morning and my youngest son said to me, make sure, ma'am, it's sustainable. And I was like, oh, and it's, isn't that incredible? Yeah, it's really, yeah, really, really important thing. They are much more aware, but not just that, they're very active as well, aren't they? Yes, yeah. And I see my girls shopping online on the kind of secondhand sites like the Vestiaire Collective. I know it's a huge one, it's based in Paris. And then they have all the, uh, what's the one that they love now? Anybody who's listening that um, that has younger kids will know and they'll, they'll probably text in. But there's one that they, they buy on and all their cousins buy on. And again, they share all the, the photos. And then obviously we have Fashion Relief TV that we mm-hmm. had to start up mm-hmm. during lockdown because our events were cancelled. So um, I got my, my first Zoom call, actually, um, ever, was with an Irish tech firm called Axonista. Small Irish firm, husband and wife with a small team. And I introduced them, myself to them, told them about Fashion Relief, told them that I travel out developing world every year as a volunteer and that I show where the money's been spent and, mm-hmm. and they designed and developed the most amazing piece of software that allows you to watch and shop all at the same time. Oh, wow. I know. And then you are actually shopping guilt-free because it's sustainable and as I say, it's, you know, taking people out of poverty in in countries across the globe, not as fortunate as ours. So, yeah, it's, um, it's just, it's amazing to, to see that, you know, people are actually they're, as I say, boasting, they're proud of the mm-hmm. purchases, you know, if they're secondhand. And this whole fast fashion, just it just has to stop, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a mindset, you know. I think if, if you do that whole secondhand September thing and you try it for the first time, like we have Oxfam Bridal. I say we, it's so funny. I feel like they're my other family. But um, <laughs> Oxfam Bridal is amazing. And I donated my wedding dress um, a couple of months ago and so did Maya Dunphy. She gave me the idea, actually, because she contacted me. She said, I have this lovely wedding dress and... Um, I, you know, I, I, I don't want to hold on to it, but at the same time, I need to know that it's it's going, you know, to the right mm, place. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just lovely to see brides, uh, firstly, donating like I did and yeah. what I did so that another bride can enjoy that piece and hopefully give them the same happiness it gave us. But also that brides are going into places like Oxfam Bridal, which is like any other bridal mm-hmm. room, like it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, and they're getting a dress for 
probably an eighth of the price and um, and they know that they're saving lives at the same time. Yeah. yeah, you see, I think as well, some people, and we are getting better at this, have it stuck in their head, secondhand, a little bit yeah. shabby, maybe a yeah. little bit dull. It's not like that at all. Not at all. If you saw the pieces mm. that we have, Lorraine Barry called into my house a few weeks ago and gave me, I mean, even the way she kept her clothes, she arrived with two suitcases and a suit carrier. Her sister's wedding dress was one of them. And then all of her own pieces in the, the uh, suitcases, Prada coats, Dodging Gabbana dress, Preen. I mean, the labels wow. were incredible. And, you know, she wore them a few times and they've been hanging her wardrobe and she just kind of felt, well, you know, wouldn't it be nice if they brought happiness to somebody else? Mm-hmm. And um, and as I say, raised money for charity as well. So she contacted me. I'd never met Lorraine. I just knew her from the telly from Dancing with the Stars. And she messaged me on my Instagram and um, called around to my house with her mom in the car and donated all these beautiful pieces. But like, you know, that Prada coat that she bought was probably about, I don't know, maybe a thousand, maybe 1,500 euro. And we sold that on Fashion Relief TV for 250. And that might seem like that's ridiculous if it's worth 1,500. But 20 euro can feed a family for a week in the world's poorest countries. Oh, absolutely. 50 euro is a lot of money in those places. So we sell everything, both in our Fashion Relief pop-up shop, which is in the Frascati Centre in Dublin. And thanks to them, they gave me that space for free because they're just amazing people. So you can go in there or again, as I say, on fashionrelief.ie and you can, you know, buy, like I did, as I said, on, on my Instagram over the last few weeks, you know, a Missoni skirt for 20 quid. Do you know what I mean? I'm looking at your dresses now and I mean, they are absolutely fabulous. Like, this and lovely. in great condition. Yes. Perfect. Oh, yeah, like new. Um, but you see, yeah, the blue dress is gorgeous. Absolutely yeah. stunning stuff here. I mean... Well, that was 15. I wore that on Virgin Media, actually. I was on the six o'clock show and I think we sold it for 15 euro. And when I went on, Warren was... Um, was presenting the show with Martin King and Mwiren had donated the dress. Isn't that the funniest thing? And I love Mwiren's style. She's yeah. on our own DM. Yes. Um, and that was one of the things that she donated. And she was like, oh my God, now I want it back because it looks so well. It's so funny. She's like, no, I got loads of wear out of it and it's really good now that that money has gone into the, the, the Oxfam bank. So yeah. It's over. To help others, it's over. But it's just, yeah, so yeah. funny. And it just feels, that, you know, for me, I love, we all love having new things, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's having a new thing that's, that's yeah, ticking all the, the proper boxes at the same time. Well, that's it. Yeah. And I mean, there's there's nothing more exciting than picking up a bargain and and oh, something, as you say, in, in the best of condition, you're thinking, oh my God, somebody gave that away and it's mine. Yes. I know. I know. It's so funny. And I'm used to, to lending and giving away because I have five sisters and a brother. <laughs> Um, Big family, yes. Yeah, so yeah. in our family, you know, it's like my mother always said, first up, best dressed. And that was kind of the way it was <laughs> in our house. And you'll be lucky if you get that next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So even when people say, how could you give away your wedding dress? And I was like, why wouldn't I? You know, like mm. I am used to giving away. And I suppose mm. maybe it's a bit different for me because I've met the families. Yeah. I've seen the moms who are just like us, who love their babies just as much as we love our mm-hmm. babies. And they're putting them to bed at night hungry. Yeah. Not knowing that they're going to be able to, to have food for them tomorrow. And then I think, why would I keep a piece that maybe the girls won't want? Probably they won't want. And even if they do, you know, isn't it better that it saves lives now? Maybe I'll take it out of the attic in 20 years' time and keep it full of mothball holes yeah. or something. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of like 
just you know just just do it giving is is actually it's, it's such a buzz you just feel so good about it yeah and then absolutely. you can just buy buying something else Exactly, exactly. I need to ask you about the menopause success so much because this is yeah. something you've been speaking about quite a lot in recent times. I know, for well, the last six years I've been mm. banging that drum. I know, and then thanks to Joe Duffy's show, I think they covered menopause for about three weeks mm. the wonderful women of Ireland coming out and sharing their stories. Yeah, I started talking about the fact that I went into early menopause, which is perimenopause, um, probably in my late 30s, so unfortunately quite young, normally mm-hmm. it'd be 40 to 45. Yeah, and yeah. in the last five to 10 years, it's basically the period before menopause. So you would, you know, have similar symptoms, not all of them, and they'd be slightly milder, but they can be very overwhelming and, um, and very difficult and, you know, can restrict you in lots of different ways, which it did for me. And I'd suffered in silence for so long. And it wasn't until the lovely Mary Crotty, a PR company, um, she's amazing. We all know Mary. She's, she's been mm-hmm. around for years, like myself. And she contacted me and asked me, would I like to work with this natural health supplement? And I said, oh, I love the idea of that. And she said, um, it's, uh, it's an Irish company. And I said, even better. And then she says, it's for menopause. And I nearly fell off the chair because I was in my 40s. And I was like, why would I, yeah. why would I do that? You know, yeah. um, why would I pretend to be older when I'm always trying to pretend I'm younger? <laughs> um, and then she was like, well, it's just because, you know, women don't talk about it and you're great at talking, probably because I'm from such a large family and all girls. And she said, I just thought, thought of you straight away. And she started talking about some of the symptoms. Things like disruptive sleep, mm-hmm. um, which I was suffering from, um, kind of low mood and lack of energy, which again, I was suffering from thinking that it was because of my lack of sleep. And low libido, again, same thing, not sleeping, hardly going to feel amorous in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, sore joints, itchy skin, um, night sweats, but not never had a hot flush, still have never had a hot flush. And I started to realize, oh, good God, that's me. That's me and that's me. So I thought, okay, I'll meet you for a coffee. So I met them for a coffee and I said I'd try it out for two months. Mm. And after two weeks, I rang them and said, this is bloody brilliant. It's actually working. And they said, I said, can it work in two weeks? And they said, of course, you'll feel better in two weeks. Mm -hmm. You should take four to six. But it's probably a bit of the placebo effect as well. Because for the first time in my life, I had... um, I had a name on my symptoms that I'd been suffering with. Which is hugely helpful. Isn't that so yeah. helpful when you know, oh, this is, yes. some, this is oh, it. Listen, I thought I was going a bit mad mm. at times. Mm. You know, and I had these kind of rages where I'd be, you know, snapping at the children and going, yeah. that is just not like me. And then feeling really guilty afterwards, mm-hmm. the mommy guilt. And so the whole thing was just, oh, I just, when I think about it now, like I was actually very anxious and I hadn't realised. So anyway, um, because of that, they decided to put a campaign together and um, they decided to call the campaign Let's Talk Menopause. Yeah. And I was like, ah, here, I don't have menopause. We're perimenopause. <laughs> and they said, but we have to say menopause because so few people know what perimenopause is. Correct. And it's going to be yeah. a much stronger message if they see you, your face, saying, let's talk menopause. So they were right. And it did yeah. work. And um, people did kind of, you know, watch and listen. And um, we toured myself and Dr. Mary Ryan who's the top endocrinologist in Ireland, who's an endocrinologist, is a hormone specialist. And uh, we travelled around the country with a panel of speakers in all areas of lifestyle, which is a huge part of it, diet, nutrition, exercise, all free things that you can do for yourself that really, really help. And I, again, didn't know that so many factors affect your hormones from the outside, not just from the inside, from the outside. And you can make a lot of changes yourself. In fact, there's a great little booklet and it's free. And it's called... 
what's it called? The Essential Guide to Female Hormones. And it's in pharmacists and health stores all over the country. Or you can download it for free on keymarine.ie. And I've got podcasts up there as well that I did for the last few few months because we couldn't get out. Um, so, yeah, it's really helpful, that little book, because it goes through the five stages of our hormones from puberty to postmenopause. And they've experts talking about all the things that you should be doing and not doing at various stages because of where our hormones are, the levels that they're at. So really, really helpful. Oh, my, my goodness. Reading it. Yeah, yeah. Really I'm just good. thinking now I have to get that book because anyone will tell you I've like the worst time of month since I was about 17. And I've only learned recently that coffee doesn't help. But there you go. <laughs> oh, there you go. And you know what? Mayor Mary said that to me, you know, mm. Peter and I would have loved to have um, more children. And, you know, clearly there was no fertile issues um, because of having two healthy babies. Mm. Thank God. But it just wasn't happening for us. And again, that's something that your hormones seriously affects your yeah. uh, fertility. And she often says, you know, if I'd only met you sooner. But you know what, if I'd only known then what I know now, um, I just, I wouldn't have suffered in silence like I did. And that's yeah. why I just came out and said, Lorraine, put your money where your mouth is, you know. And do it. embarrassed. Yeah. You've got your husband, you know. I was just worried that it'd make, make me seem like, you know, old. And Absolutely that, not. That's what the menopause it had those connotations mm. up to recently. And now we're going, actually, it's only the fifth stage of our hormonal journey, for God's sake. Mm-hmm. And actually, it's in some ways the best one, because once you know how to manage it and get out the other side, then you can live your best life because you don't have period pains. You don't have periods. You don't have the uncertainty of, will I get my period? I'm going to wear a white dress. You know, all of that stuff that goes with being a woman, it's going to be gone. So I'm actually looking forward to it. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Great advice, Lorraine. For, for our listeners who want to get in touch with you, where are you? You're on Instagram, you're everywhere. Um, yeah, Instagram, Lorraine Keen Official. The podcasts are up on cleanmarine.ie and fashionrelief.ie. We've got a fashion relief Instagram as well. We take donations too. So if anybody wants to do a clear out of their wardrobe, we just take everything. I always say from Zara to Prada and everything in between once it's in good condition. And it's something that you would buy yourself but we take donations. You can email us. The details are on Fashion Relief um, Instagram. And we send you out a prepaid envelope. And you can get 10 items into each envelope. And then we will sell them. And they will go to very good use, indeed. Brilliant stuff. Well, a very inspiring piece by Lorraine Keane. Thank you so much for joining us here on The Late Lunch. It's great to catch up with you. Uh, thanks you too Ali stay in touch yeah take take care thanks thanks Lorraine that's the lovely Lorraine Keane there doing some really inspiring work with Fashion Relief and also speaking openly about a topic that can be a taboo the menopause very frank discussion there we'll take a break and we'll have some exciting news about Wally the Walrus you're very welcome back to the late lunch here on LMFM keep the texts and calls coming in you can whatsapp us on 086 658 when it's safe to do so or text us on that number to or email us at lmfm.ie uh, We've had a couple of calls into the station uh, just asking what uh, supplement Lorraine Keane was talking about when she uh, was on earlier just before the break she was talking about um, the menopause and uh, the vitamins that she was taking uh, to help her get through that uh, and pre-menopause as well it's recommended for it's called Clean Marine Menomin, so it's an omega 3, um, clean marine menomin. And uh, also had a caller in just uh, advising us about uh, feeding the wild birds that they take oatmeal 
porridge. So a lot cheaper and uh, it's something that you can put out for the birds. Quite healthy for them as well and non-fattening. So thank you very much. Keep the calls and texts coming in. Great to hear uh, people ringing in with some sound advice for us and for our listeners as well. Now, uh, still to come on the show, we've got celebrity photographer Karen Morgan. And uh, but first, first, the drum roll. Alan Houlihan, are you there? Hey, Alison, how are we doing? Oh, my God, I'm elated. You must be elated as well. Wally the Walrus has been spotted after 22 days of missing and he looks like he's made the biggest journey ever. Oh, yeah, he's up in Iceland. <laughs> oh, it's great. It's great. Oh, he's making, making his way slowly home, I'd say. Yeah, I think so too. Now, Alan, you joined us on the show last week just to give us an update on on, on finding, well, first spotting Wally, and uh, you were you were saying he's got some sort of a built-in sat nav, and he's, you know, you were hopeful that maybe you'd see him again in Valencia Island, but I'd say you're even more hopeful now that he seems to be heading home. Yeah, it, it looks that way. Um, I was I, like, I was I was talking to um, Padraig Cooley from the the Whalen, the um, Seal Group. Yes, and the Irish, and um, like he reckons that the, he's only about another three or four hundred kilometres to do before he's back in um, in Greenland, where he'd be back to his main population of um, walruses. But in Iceland, <laughs> where they are at the moment, there's um, you, you, there's there's only one spotted every about ten years. So. But um, he's made some journey, hasn't he? I think it's just the most inspiring thing to come out of COVID. I think this, <laughs> as you know, I love animals, but I've always loved uh, sea life as well. And the fact that this exotic 800 kilogram, <laughs> I've probably got that wrong, um, exotic creature came down from the Arctic, uh, inspired us all, um, floated all around Europe and then said, better go back now. They're probably looking for me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Things up now. My gap year is up. Um. <laughs> sabbatical. I think it's just fantastic. But I mean, he went missing, or so we thought. And I was, you were like, "Don't be worrying about him. He's cool. He's he's quite relaxed. He knows what's happening." And I mean, it even at one point, the government got involved, saying, "Don't be interfering with this album animal. Don't go near him." And um, you know, he he was spotted with some injuries. Uh, however, you were like, "No, nah, I think he'll be okay. You know, I think he'll be fine." And then suddenly, he miss he goes missing for twenty two days, no sighting. I wasn't worried. I know a friend of mine who follows all his adventures as well said, I wonder is this it? And then there was a sighting recently of um, a, a dolphin that had passed and it sprung out a load of worry all across social media. And I said, it's not him. Like, it's just not him. He's too robust. Like, he knows what he's doing. He's quite, but it's, it just shows the huge intelligence of these animals. Like, just to do what he did and to make his way home. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's brilliant, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it's just—it's fantastic. So, Alan, just uh, for our for our listeners who uh, who who don't know who you are or haven't heard your name, um, you saw Wally first. That's right. Well, uh, my daughter did, and um, um, I was second to see him then, but still, um, I'll give you a good one. Um, she was out with her mother on Sunday, and they spotted a deer inside in the woods. And she spotted it first. She said, look, that deer. 
And then she said, oh, no, does that mean I'm going to be famous again? <laughs> don't like the, I don't like the limelight. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't. She doesn't even want to get married now because she doesn't want to, to be on stage with anybody. <laughs> and, you know, she, she might be saying, oh, no, I don't want to get married because they might say, and now we have the girl who tur- 30 years ago <laughs> spotted Wally and she tied the knot today. And, you know, she married a man called Wally. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but they, they've definitely like it's definitely him they've recognised mm. him from pictures yeah. and from uh, marking that on his fin he's a, he's some kind of white blemish on his on his fin and um, so it's 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 definitely Wally there's only one Wally Alan well look the story continues Uh, we wish him well on his journey home I hope he doesn't get walloped by his mother or wife or whoever he was running from and uh, you know it's it's, it's just a wonderful wonderful story yeah (laughs) listen thanks for joining us again with that update and uh, it's great to talk to you that's uh, Alan Houlihan there who was uh, him and his daughter were the first people to spot Wally the Walrus who's making his way home please God to to the Arctic and going to be back with his his crew we'll take a break and uh, we'll be back to talk to celebrity photographer Karen Morgan Welcome back to The Late Lunch here on LMFM I am Alison O'Reilly and uh, keep the calls and texts coming in 086 1-800-658 you can text or WhatsApp us there or email us at info at lmfm.ie or you can ring us as well over one nine eight three two zero 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 two thousand wouldn't it be two thousand would be the number uh, still to come on the show we'll be speaking to Anthony Kinahan and he'll be filling us in on this month's outcomers LGBTQ plus and the well-being workshops but first we're joined on the line now by well-known national media and celebrity photographer Karen Morgan Karen you're very welcome along to the late lunch Hi Alison, how are you? I'm great, thanks. Do you know, I was, I was thinking about you there uh, before you came on and I was wondering, there's been very, very few festivals. Uh, most things have been online. Um, so what happens as a photographer when there are no events and no festivals? Because we would have had the IFTAs, we would have had the IMROs, all the big shows, the, the film festivals. And it's been so quiet for the last 18 months. It really has. And I think, like, initially at the start, like everybody else, we were very hopeful that, you know, we would have been kind of back, you know, at events and conferences, um, uh, festivals, you know, launches by October last year. Mm. And we are still, like, we're one of the last really to kind of come out of, you know, come out of the COVID because without it's an events-based industry. Mm-hmm. And there's no events. So it's been incredibly hard. I mean, I've kind of kept busy doing other stuff, but it's great to see, you know, with things reopening now, there has been a few kind of soft launches, smaller smaller events, um, kind of testing things while we wait to kind of get back to, I suppose we're waiting all till October 22nd and we'll see then, you know, maybe some events may not even come back. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of companies that haven't survived this and stuff. So for me personally, I kind of started doing um, portraits. I did door traits. So I kind of went around in my local area and I uh, got involved with uh, an art show, Stay With Me Art Show. And we did, um, we had, we had like a live show, which was unusual. Um, and we did that last July. And things like that kind of kept me busy. But and you, you shot the art and uh, the artists on location because you could travel. 
that was it. Exactly. I could travel around. I was able to go go to to people. And I suppose look, everything was all within what the guidelines, and we were outside. And well, we got some. It was a really, really lovely, lovely show. And um, hopefully now we'll be doing a little bit more on it again over the coming months. It was something I was really glad I got got involved with. You know. Yeah, I mean, we would have been so used to the glitzy showbiz celebrity lifestyle um, and that just vanished. We had Lorraine Keane on uh, a short while ago and she was saying even with fashion relief, they learned to adapt by launching fashion TV. Um, And it's the same with virtual shows. I mean, you were still uh, pulling in images and things from, you know, like the likes of the Met Gala and things recently. I was, yeah, so actually, God, that was great to see it back. I mean, you know, it's the good, the bad and the ugly there. I mean, it's such, it's such an unusual kind of kind of event. Mm. Um, it's obviously super wealthy. It, you have to be, you know, an A-lister to be at it. And it's something actually that we are, we love to see the images coming in here and landing on, on the desks here and, um, you know, coming up with a gallery and kind of saying, like, is this what do you think of this? Or, you know, it's a kind of a real talking point. And it was the first really big one. I know we had the VMAs kind of before that as well. Mm. Um, just just the week, the week, well, all within the one week. So that's great that these things are starting to kind of happen across the water now. Um, yeah, and you'd hope that it'd have the ripple effect and we can start having a few more festivals here. Yeah, and do you know what? Even but like just before the kind of COVID restrictions kicked in, like we used to get a lot of celebrities over here. Now there was one guy who came last year that I totally missed, and I still to this day I'm, I'm just devastated. I just get to photograph him. I am a Matt Damon fan. I love Matt Damon, and no matter I just I just didn't get to see him over in in Dorky when he was going around with his bag of bag of cans, as we say, his super value bag. But he. Uh, he was here for all for the, the summer last year. And, <laughs> and you never got him? Never got him. The one that got away. I, and, and you know what? I tried. I did try, to be fair, but I just didn't. I just didn't uh, deal loose of me. And what about, uh, we had Patrick Dempsey and a- Amy Adams for Disenchanted as well. That was a real draw, wasn't it? That was. And you know, like, if you look at the Enchanted Village, so Dan and Scary now, I think they've actually been taking it down over mm. the last, like, week or two. But, that was gorgeous. And what a boost, like a, a local boost. People were coming from all over the country to see this. It was spectacular. And years to come, you'll still go and say, God, this is the town. Because it fits that picture, you know, when you think of mm. Ireland and it's kind of a quaint village. And and it really brought in the crowds. Like, that was great to be down there and soaking up the atmosphere around. And people were excited mm. because we'd had such a long winter. And, you know, everybody was starting to come out and say, oh, my God, this is happening. And we might see them here. And there was a real buzz around the town. And, you know, that was that was great, actually. And I'm kind of hoping now, kind of on the back of this, that we'll start getting more films kind of shot here. Actually, I think Colin Farrell was doing um, a movie over, I think it's an Ackle he's been shooting. And mm, that's right. I haven't actually, I haven't been down to see that, but I did see images coming in. And my God, like they have just, the set down there looks incredible. Mm. And Colin Farrell is, you know, he, you've seen him, he's obviously dressed up and he's in an outfit. It, looks, it kind of looks very similar, I suppose, to The Field. Um, but I say that'll be a good one, you know. But we're starting to get there. We're starting to get there. Who have you filmed and photographed over the past? Because I know you do video as well. I do. And actually, I haven't... I was trying to think, like, you know, who would be the most famous person that I've kind of met or I've photographed. And, you know, for me, I love music. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I love, uh, I suppose, going to festivals and stuff like that. And it all depends on, you know, what's 
who somebody would think is kind of famous. So you can have the ordinary everyday hero to the, you know, the extraordinary. But um, I, years ago, I met on my very first job. So I was doing a job for uh, Lensman. And they actually, Lensman are 70 this year. So they're around a long, long time. I think it was in 2004. And I was photographing Kofi Annan. And it was my first big PR job. And um, as I went to take the pictures, I hadn't tied up the back, my bag. And my lens fell out and it smashed on the ground. And I remember he just stopped through his journey, picked up and he said, I think you dropped this. Oh, <laughs> and I never forgot. Like, that was like my very first, I was so nervous. Yeah. I just actually just totally, and I get a bit like that. I can get a bit starstruck. And um, I think that was just a, a taste of things to come. I still do kind of get nervous if I'm, I'm meeting people, I kind of kerfuffle on what I'd say. But um, <laughs> he, uh, but they are quite accommodating, a lot of the celebs that come here. Oh, they are. They're, I have to say, most professional. Um, you know, they kind of just ask you what you want and what you need so they can kind of get on with their business. Get and on I, with think, their I think that's a really good point, isn't it? That if, if, if you try and evade the press, which are they're quite good here, I have to say, uh, in, compa- in comparison to the paparazzi in other countries, but uh, they're quite respectful here and they wouldn't get away with it either. Um, but also, you know, that, that they'll, they want to give you a picture so that you can go. So it's a win-win for everybody. And you know as well, you know in the States, so like the likes of Kim Kardashian, like these guys aren't chancing upon her as she happened to just go out and get like a cappuccino in Starbucks while she's dressed head to toe and, mm-hmm. you know, in Dolce & Gabbana or something. She she lets them know she's on the way. It's like her hair and her makeup is done. So she'll let them know. And how this works is that she will then say, you know, I've told you where I am, so I get to approve what images come out. Yeah. And this came from years ago. She was photographed, I think, in Cancun or something, just after she had one of the children. And I suppose she was carrying a bit of extra weight. And these paparazzi pictures were taken. And she just, she was very unhappy about it. I think she just, she didn't look herself or her best or whatnot. And going forward then, she had come to this arrangement that she will kind of approve these images. So you have a lot of people with relationships like that in the States. Mm. There's not really a need for that here. <laughs> yeah. um, we don't but it does that. go on. It does go on. Well, there might be a few people might be tipping off to say, I'm going down to the local bar. <laughs> Make me a star. <laughs> <laughs> Make me a star. Get this out everywhere. Um, you know, there might be a little bit of that. But generally, we kind of really leave. Uh, there's a thing... Uh, I, being Irish, I suppose, we don't really want to make a fuss over someone. So we'd say, there's your man now out of the movies. We might even, might even say his name. Say, you know him, he's in that movie. Mm. Um, and, you know, we kind of leave them and not make too much of a fuss out of them. But we'd generally be, as, as photographers, we'd be generally, you know, respectful of people's space and stuff and mindful of it. It's not the same as it would be over in the States. No. And, you know, we're... There might be 20, a crowd of 20, 25 people and it's actually dangerous. It is, yeah. And, you know, proof of that, of what you're saying is uh, I remember seeing a photograph with Michael Fassbender, uh, the Oscar nominated star from Kerry, uh, now married to an Oscar winning winner, uh, Alicia Vikander. Um, I remember he did a selfie with all of the photographers, including you on the red carpet at the IFTAS. And it was one of the best selfies I've ever seen. <laughs> Do you remember? I, I remember I kind of, I just asked him, would he get in for a photo with us? And I think I just looked. You were the instigator. Yeah, I looked crazy because I thought <laughs> he was a very handsome man. <laughs> and I still was stunned by that. He was very nice. We shared a couple of cigarettes and uh, he was all chaps. 
and he was very nice. Uh, yeah, and I was only dying to get him into the photo. And it did look... I, <laughs> it is a great photograph. It's it a right brilliant there. photograph. We'll have to share it on Twitter if you send it to us. But I, I, I remember it sticks in my head because he's got about 20 photographers around him and you're in there because there aren't very many female photographers. Female press photographers. In the industry, yeah. yeah. No, definitely not. It still is very male orientated and um, it's changing. Um, like with a lot of things there, you know, if, if uh, you know, women were obviously very welcome within the industry. And it's just something that, I, you know, it demands like a, a lot of time away from home, a lot of time on the road. Some of the jobs can be very difficult. And, you know, you kind of find that like women tend not to really kind of, you know, get into the get into the industry. But they would you'd find them maybe more in pure photography mm. And, you know, portrait photography and stuff. But uh, I mean, I love it because it's just so varied and so fast and it changes all the time. And I think that suits me and it suits my lifestyle. And my children are big now, so it's, uh, you know, I don't mind kind of the long hours or whatnot. And you have to kind of push and shove a bit, you know, if you're at any of those conferences, yeah, media conferences, you need your shot. You need your shot. So you have to you be have able to, to be a little bit. Yeah. Get out of my way. <laughs> and I'm small, but I mean, I get, I'll be able to, you know, use my elbows around it. <laughs> Level. <laughs> but Karen, the the the, uh, the media is changing, obviously, and just tell us uh, the importance of a photograph. Well, I mean, you know, a, a photograph can tell a thousand words, and uh, you know, you can still stand over that. I mean, if you're looking, you click onto a website now, because I know people don't mightn't be picking up the paper as much; they might be going more onto online now. But you know, you're just going to see all this text, and it doesn't really draw you in. You know, so like a good, strong image. If you have, you know, there's like something that's happened in like a breaking news story. And, you know, you want to see where it's happened or you want to see the person and, you know, the face. And, you know, these pictures can just make make a huge difference to also where the story will go in the paper, Mm -hmm. where it'll go online. If there's no image, they, you know, it's just not going to do as well. Uh, It's super, super important. And it's the same now with video. And it's kind of, it's nowadays you're kind of required to not only do photos, but video. But video as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, look, Karen, uh, a great insight into the world of photographic media and video. Thanks very much for joining us here on The Late Lunch. No problem. Thanks, Alison. That's, that's Karen Morgan there, celebrity photographer and uh, news hound as well. She's a great news and media photographer as well. We'll take a break and we'll be back after this. You're very welcome back to The Late Lunch here on LMFM. And joining us on the line now is Anthony Kinnahan, a chair of Outcomers in Drogheda. Anthony, how are you? I'm grand, Alison. Thanks for having me. No problem. Delighted to have you. This is the fifth in your series of these workshops. Yeah, we were uh, very uh, honoured to kind of be awarded a little bit of money uh, through uh, the Bank of Ireland Begin Together Fund at the Community Foundation for Ireland last year um, to run a series of workshops throughout this year. Uh, They were all meant initially to kind of be in-person workshops, uh, but of course uh, the world had a different idea for that. And in fact, we were able to use that to our own advantage as we put them all online over Zoom and kind of increased our kind of reach for these uh, very important kind of well-being workshops that we were able to offer the LGBT community across the, the country. Um, so we've done workshops 
throughout the year, like mental health workshops with an LGBT focus, um, HIV awareness, uh, transgender awareness, and also LGBT family law um, and parenting um, workshops as well. But this month, we're actually uh, really excited about this month's one as well. Um, and it's something that maybe you might see usually kind of around the place, but it's uh, we've termed it as an LGBTQ plus um safety and discrimination workshop so it's basically um uh, about trying to keep our community safe and to know what to do if something happens that makes them unsafe or something happens that maybe places them in a discriminatory position or something like that so it's uh, basically we're going to be joined by uh mark mcnulty from angardashi akana diversity liaison officer and we're also going to be joined by Collateral Regan from LGBT Ireland, um, which is a group that we're very um, affiliated with here. It's a national uh, LGBT organisation. And we're going to be discussing um, all issues around safety and discrimination in the LGBT community. And a lot there on um, the legal protection as well that people have if they're affected. Yeah, so basically the kind of things we're going to be touching on in the workshop is like... Um, the Angardi Shikana's diversity and integration strategy um, and the diversity liaison officers overall and then like their online reporting mechanism. Also um, coming up soon it will be that third party organisations will be able to report these kind of crimes as well um, and like that we'll be talking about the impending hate crime legislation which is it's been submitted as a hate crime bill uh, recently this year. And this is um, a wonderful bill, isn't it, Anthony? I yeah. mean, a much, much needed one because of the vulnerabilities faced by the community. Yeah, and, and obviously not just us, but like, mm. I mean, for anybody being discriminated yeah. uh, or uh, as received hate on the basis of whatever it might be, race or um, culture, ethnicity, whatever it might be. Uh, but we really welcome it. We see it as being really robust. And um, it's been a long time coming as well. And I think that, you know, as a gay man myself and knowing many other people who have been subject to hate because of your sexuality, it's good that our country is now saying, well, no, that's wrong. Mm -hmm. You can't receive that kind of abuse just because you know, of this label that you have. So, um, and it's, it's, it's good that we'll be able to then reported as such. We have come a long way, Anthony, but there is still a minority of people who are very abusive to the LGBTQ plus community. Yeah, I mean, it seems to be my my mantra all the time. Lots done, but more to do Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But um, um, people always ask us, you know, oh, you know, what's the big deal of pride shows and everybody accepted now? Well, no, unfortunately, as you just said, like, I mean, there is... um, there is people out there that still disagree with, you know, the way I live my life or the way, you know, other people in my community live their lives. and Which is none um, of their business. Which is none of their business, absolutely. Um, and because of that, then we, you know, are, are often subject to discrimination uh, or abuse. And look, I mean, uh, you know, we have come a long way. I mean, even just from the time I, I came out myself in 1999 and just, to look back from, you know, that we'd only really recently gone through kind of decriminalisation then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now we have marriage equality and gender recognition acts and now impending um, hate, bill legisl- hate crime legislation. So it's brilliant. It's all, it's all legislatively, it's all mm-hmm. kind of catching up. But, you know, there has been just such a long period of um, 
institutional discrimination, you know, which yeah. we as a culture and a society, even even LGBT people, you know, uh, have to learn to kind of, you know, switch switch their uh, perspective and realise, well, actually, you know, just being called casually gay or queer or faggot in school is not okay. You know, you don't have to accept that. It, it's not, you know, where it becomes run-of-the-mill uh, um, we just kind of have learned to accept it as institutional kind of or, or society-based, you know, discrimination. You know, the time is coming where that's just no longer acceptable. No, you know? no, no, no. And, you know, it's, it's they're even calling people who aren't gay those names. It's just yeah. disgusting language anyway. Yeah. And to use it as derogatory terms, you know, full stop is just, yeah, it's, 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 it's regressive and it's, it's, it's time that, um, again, with more awareness and more information and more people calling it out, um, I think things will eventually change. But as I say, the legislation is kind of getting there now. Mm. The, the rest of society needs to get there. And like I say, yeah. you know, if, if people see discrimination like that happening, that even our, our straight allies need to, be there to kind of call it out for us, you know, and help support yeah. with that. And I think as well, Anthony, like you can't help who you are and what you are doing in your own private business with a consenting adult and you're consenting really, really should never be condemned uh, when you're both, you know, consenting Absolutely. adults. I just, I, I'll never get my head around that. No, I know, I know. But look, I mean, you know, there was many debates and there will mm. continue, you know, I mean, especially around the time of, of the referendum, you know, but you know, what rights we should have and, you know, how um, allowing same-sex couples to get married would, you know, totally, you know, meant the breakdown of society or whatever. Mm -hmm. But like that, as you say, um, you know, the fact that I, uh, you know, would be romantically or or in love with a man, do you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. that's only a beneficial thing that I can see. So it's only a nice thing. It's only, you know... Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I don't see why it would bother anybody else. or Exactly. You know. None of their business. And as I always exactly. say to people who are rude or non-accepting of the LGBTQ plus community, just remember your children could be gay, your grandchildren yeah. could be gay, your great grand. You, you just don't know no. what's going to happen in your own family. So no. mind your own business. And when, yeah, absolutely. And you can just, with, with all of this, regardless of race or sexuality or whatever, just respect for other people mm-hmm. um, uh, is the basic thing. You know, it's Very like, good. you know, yeah. um, and if, you know, you're in a position where you're on the receiving end of, of, of abuse or discrimination, mm-hmm. then, you know, the, the state and the guards and all that need to be there to be in place to to help us out with that in a, exactly. in a sensitive uh, manner. Exactly, exactly. So the workshop is 23rd of September at 8 o'clock this Thursday. This Thursday at Great 8 o'clock stuff. and it's free thanks to uh, the Begin Together uh, Fund at the Community Foundation for Ireland, Bank of Ireland. And um, yeah, so there's still places left. People can uh, register by emailing outcomersdrahada at gmail.com or going onto our Facebook page and clicking the sign up button. Great stuff. Anthony Kinahan, Chair of Outcomers Drahada, thanks very much for joining us on The Late Lunch. Thanks very much, Alison. We've run out of time, but we'll be back tomorrow at half past one. Thanks to all of our guests and to the wonderful producer, Louise Walsh. We'll talk to you tomorrow. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. 
Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 